Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. His passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have now my friend Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette, also a contributor to Super Talk Mississippi News. And we're going to pick it up from where Jeff uh, Duncan and I, from all that kind of t- time speaking, left it off. But before we do that, let me just welcome Hunter back to the show. It's been a while, Hunter. How are you doing, my friend? Ricky, it has been well. It's uh, been a while, and uh, I appreciate you having me on again. And hope you had and your family had a good holidays. We had a great one, man. I I spent a lot of time up in the Mississippi Delta with family, and Ann and I, you know, enjoyed you know just having family here. My son Justin was in town from New York City, and his girlfriend joined us as well. Just just a good good family time, man. I mean, it's a you know the holiday still is in a way because it's, we're just getting into the new year. Still a lot of reflection going on about the year that just passed and the year that's ahead of us. Um, but it is a great opportunity for everyone to kind of freeze frame the moment and appreciate what's around you. And we had the opportunity to do that. I hope you had the chance to do that too. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I had the opportunity to, to go uh, check out my, see my son, but also to, uh, I spent some, some time with just some family and it was, it was great. It was a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, it's good, 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 to, good to hear that. Um, you know, I've, I've watched you closely, man. As I often say about you as an owner and publisher of the Gazebo Gazette here in coastal Mississippi, there's no rest for the weary because, as you pointed out, I mean, you uh, you're closing out another newspaper. You've got your own line site. You're covering so many different things. You're paying attention to so many different things. Uh, I don't know how you find enough hours in the day to do what you do, Hunter. Well, and Ricky, as you are aware, this time of the season for advertisements was pretty tough because everybody's starting their new budget year. Nobody really wants to go all in on on uh, advertising with the local papers and things as such. And you have to kind of make it through. You have to kind of work on what was your. Uh, your gross, at least in the last part of the year, and try to make that through till March. So, yeah, I know, I know it, I, I know it very well, actually. Uh, but for people who are in your distribution area, uh, Pascrishan, part of Long Beach, I don't know, is that the, essentially the way you describe your distribution area? Pretty much what I usually and what I described to the supervisors when they asked me, I said, well, even though there are quite a few individuals all the way across the coast. My general, you know, uh, area of subscription falls from Highway 49 to parts of Bay St. Louis. Yeah, well, that's that's good. And I would say for a small advertiser who does business in that geography, geography, what they should know about the Gazebo Gazette is that it is a highly engaged printed newspaper. And... Um, you know, there there's still a, a terrific role for for a small community newspaper. Um, once you get too big, though, then it starts to 
you, you know the costs start to get you, and the and the and the, and the being able to, to to gather the advertising that can support that cost starts to wane, and so you know. But I do think that small community newspapers, for the most part, have can find their niche if they stay focused on keeping their circulation high. If they got a good digital strategy, you know, you can put it all together, and people continue to lean on you, don't they? The, yes, sir, they do. The biggest effect, pro, at least right now, would be the print costs for the paper and also the uh, the post office because the National Post Office is kind of weighing one way or the other. It's not yeah. uh, it's not too certain about what's going to happen, you know, for cost of sizes and periodicals at least a certain period of time. Well, what's happening is the Sun-Herald included, what you see is that more newspapers, uh, the ones that are hanging on to print, are are using the post office for distribution now. They're, they've done away with home delivery organization and all the carriers and all of that, sadly. But it's just a sign of the times. I don't blame them for that at all. I get it completely. Well, I'll let any – yeah, go ahead. Especially down by me, the, the, I have a great relationship with the Pascasham Post Office from when I bought the paper uh, close to seven years ago. Uh, that was the first thing I did, you know, making a relationship with the post office guys. And it's it's very, very helpful for that because that way, if there's some issue and there's some problem down the line, they they know my number. They can call me right off the bat. Yeah, what you're seeing, what you're seeing, though, is on the national level, a lot of efforts as it relates to the post office to get the cost of distribution for newspapers down as much as possible. Yep. Because yep. if we if we care about democracy, particularly on the local level, we've got to work harder to to help newspapers survive. And so there's a lot of energy on that now. I don't know if they'll be successful at doing it, but it may take may take some congressional help to get where they want to get. And but um, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, the reality is that daily newspapers are going to are not going to you know daily newspapers aren't going to survive. Let's put it that way. So Sun Herald's already down from seven to six. It's funny because when we went to three days a week and. Um, <clears throat> In New Orleans and in Alabama and all across the advanced Condé Nast uh, newspapers, you know, uh, arena, uh, the Sun Herald did an editorial saying we will never be anything other than seven days a week. And I thought, what a what a foolish thing to say, because there was no doubt that the the writing was on the wall. But I guess at the time, you know, that was their way of you know throwing a bar back at us, me, um, you know, sadly because it was unnecessary. The reality is that. Uh, newspapers find themselves where they find themselves, and hopefully the post office will help with getting the cost down so that we can have printed newspapers and daily newspapers as long as possible. And, and well, I would say community newspapers, not daily newspapers, but community sure. newspapers sure. like yours as long as heavenly possible. I think it's I think it is possible. Hey, let's shift gears. And uh, the Pelicans, man, they went to California, and they scored 141 points on the Warriors. Well, I'm not sure if you remember, Ricky, but what you and I spoke about around November or early or late October, the main focus is it's not all about Zion anymore. Now, I'm not saying Zion is not an important, you know, portion of the team. Yes. But, but their focus is not only on his ability to play, because as you've seen, 
throughout the year. There have been some games where he just doesn't show up. And it's not necessarily a fault of his. Maybe there's just a different level of team. Maybe the, the opposing team is defending a certain way. That principle, though, has turned out to work very successfully for the Pelicans. Well, and what, what we talked about then was the reality, which Jeff and I just chatted about it just a few minutes ago, the reality that Zion, for his entire career, has, has rarely gone into January and beyond due to injury. I mean, it's just, exactly. that's, just, that's just real. Even the other night with the, con- the contusion in his leg, but the yeah. Pelicans didn't miss a beat. No, they didn't. You got all these young players that are coming up. You, we have the, you know, the, the core of the team, like Brandon Ingram, for example, and others that are playing at the top of their game. But see, even they uh, in past years had to deal with injuries, okay? Exactly. So, so the story, okay, I'll say, say more so for, for the Pelicans than for some of these other teams because they've got so many layers of stars. The sure. Pelicans got to keep their stars healthy. But the beauty of what they're doing now is you see these younger players coming up and really making their mark. And I saw one of them, I don't even remember who it was that said it, it said, so the Pelicans ought to be in that conversation now. Somebody said, well, what conversation? And he said, you know what conversation I'm talking about. Exactly. But, I mean, come on now. When they put it all together, they're they a pretty darn good team. Well, and the NBA, for such the longest time, with your Bulls and your Celtics and your Lakers, it was the top seven or eight players. Well, nowadays in the NBA, it's really going 10 deep. I mean, do you have a second unit that can compete with your first unit? And the Pelicans have found that out. You know, David uh, Griffin, the chief executive for the Pelicans, has definitely put together a team that can process with any other team. Their their second team is not quite, but almost close to the level. Your Jose Alvarado, your Najee Marshall, your Trey Murphy, your Jordan Hawkins, these guys are unbelievable with what they do in certain positions. So good stuff, man. It's really, really good stuff. It's gonna be fun to watch as they go down the stretch. Hopefully they can stay healthy and continue to build on that chemistry and absolutely you know do what they're doing. They're playing so aggressively and they're shooting so well. It's just great to see. Um hey listen uh Jeff and I just talked about the Saints and he wrote a terrific column about the culture and the culture change and what they're considering. He's the actual he's actually the one who broke the story about John Gruden, got all this national press out there, and he's the one who breaks that story. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch him. But you know, in the, in the say the last quarter of the season, with the exception of the of the Rams game, Saints played way better. I mean, and it comes down to getting protection for Carr. You know, get you get protection for Carr, and they're going to play better. But they bring a little bit of momentum into the into the offseason, as opposed to uh, you know, kind of blowing at the end of the season and us having to blow everything up. It'll be interesting to see what your take is. But when we come back on the other side, because we're at the end of the segment, we'll continue our conversation with the owner and publisher of the Gazebo Gazette and a contributor to Super Talk Mississippi News here in just a minute. Um, I always enjoy catching up with Hunter, and uh, we'll see more from Hunter when we come back. See you after this break.
back to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I am thrilled to have my friend Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette join me as we talk about a wide range of subjects. When we went to break, though, we were talking about the Saints. And uh, so, what's your, Hunter, you, you watched them carefully, you covered the Saints. What was your read on how they ended the season and the momentum that they may be taking into the offseason? Well, I'm a little bit indifferent about your your statement about momentum. Is there momentum? Is there a divide in the players and the coaching staff? Nobody really knows yet. But I think from what you know, you spoke with with Jeff about about John Gruden uh, and his his idea of the team. That's uh, that's something that would be interesting, and I think that could make the players, you know fall into line a little bit better and be more productive, at least in knowing, because there's one thing about everybody in the organization uh, that have been there. They all respect John Gruden. John Gruden is, is a very direct coach. He's going to tell you how he feels and he's going to mention the way things should be under his, his eyes. So. Well, it'd be it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that that chapter plays out. Um, I, um, you know, they they were the Saints were slow all season long to uh, address the offensive line issues that they were having. Of course, you know, um, the Trevor Penning disaster. I'm not giving up on Trevor Penning. Maybe eventually no. he can get developed, but um, you know, they waited four or five games to to sure. deal with that. In the meantime. You know, Carr gets you know gets absolutely destroyed. <laughs> he gets a hurt shoulder and a couple of concussions and broken ribs. I mean, man, he was getting accosted. So it, that part of the season was really hard to watch, wasn't it? Well, and you had some injuries like to Ramzik, and uh, there's some changing around of you know putting Andrews Pete uh, the left tackle and other things like that. There just wasn't really any chemistry until the last five games after the bye uh, was yeah. really the important fact. Uh, but, you know, a little bit too late. That's, that's yeah, no doubt the way that it works. And, you know, regardless of if you're either pro or against Dennis Allen, that's just normally the way his career has been. Yeah. You, know, you, you studied the timeline of his. This is his first winning season. <laughs> it just yeah. Well, and that's. You know, but Ricky, there's got to be something about having 12 Pro Bowlers on your team and not making it to the playoffs in the weakest division in the NFL. There's there's got to be some answers, and there's got to be questions raised. Well, here's the here's the interesting point that Jeff made at the end, though. Um, Had we gone into the playoffs, we would be facing a struggling Philadelphia Eagles team. And at a time when we're building momentum, if we can have one of those games back, like Green Bay. Uh, the Tampa game. There are a couple of good, there's several games that we, if we could have them back, if we just had one game, then we'd be in the playoffs right now, well, and, and they'd have a chance. You know, you know, we only lost one game over ten points to Tampa Bay. <laughs> that was the only, by seventeen, which I was at that game, unfortunately. But but that being said, that was the only game all year that we lost by over ten points. Yeah, and there's got to be some questions. Uh, Playing against the Eagles, who we have a really good history, playoff history against, 
with one of our wins, uh, we lost one of the early in the nineties, at least when Aber was playing. But we ended up uh, winning uh, one of the games against the Eagles in the Dome, as we've got a pretty good history of that. That being said, though, there's got to be some some front office uh, concern, and not only with the coaching staff, but of what we might be losing. Jeff Ireland, you know, his uh, our director of scouting, who is Sean Payton's right hand man, is taking an interview for a job over in Los Angeles. That's a question that's got to be raised. There's a lot of things that have to be broken down, and not just player coach development. I mean, it's it's got to be, you know, starting over from the top again. We have to yeah. bring back to to where we want to be in 2024 yeah it's going to be interesting yeah it'd be interesting to watch as we um watch the coaching changes that will be announced most likely sometime next week so it'd be interesting to see how that all plays out hunter what kind of okay so the gazebo gazettes are doing your thing and locally as as you start the new year what are some of the big stories that that you're focused on in, in say the past christian area going into the new year well, the big thing for Pastor Jan, you know, now is getting these projects going. The city has put on bids for uh, a ton of economic development projects with new businesses. They're trying to build uh, this Highway 90 corridor um, through a lot of that, the vacant land from St. Paul's Church to that just that area they're putting in some new subdivisions some new condos by Bacchus but one of the most important factors that I think they have to the city needs to get behind is trying to find out what's going on with these low-income properties that a lot of citizens are having right now because when as I've told Mayor Rafferty before when you're too concerned with you know, having businesses going up, but you're not concerned with your residents that got you there. That, that's, that's yeah. Fi- finding that balance. I mean, every city struggles with it. It'd be interesting to see how Pastor Shan deals with it. Hey, we're out of time for the day, but it's been great to catch up with you, honey. We got to get together more often. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. you guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. This has been Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Talk Mississippi Media Production.